Hi, everyone, and welcome to this edition of The Higher Estate. Of course, we're talking about all things related to medical cannabis, and we're bridging the gap between uh, the medical world and the lifestyle world in a world that I'm calling mindful consumption. Today, we have an absolutely, I'm, I'm honored to have a really awesome human here. I call him a human because uh, people, people, People suck sometimes, but humans really try to be good and uh, really make a difference in the world. And today we're going to be talking about sport and the use of medical cannabis and the use of other, um, other drugs or medicines or herbs or whatever it is in the uh, sporting world. And today I brought on uh, Rory McDonald. He's, uh, he's an MMA coach. He owns Parabellum. He's also an athlete. He fights uh, and he continues to do so right up into our ripe old age, you know, <laughs> the, he's got a beard. It's a good looking beard. I've got to definitely be older than you because mine is gray. How, how old are you? Uh, 39. 39. I'm 36. Okay. All right. I'm, you're, you're aging like a fine wine. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that, but I'm going, I'm going pretty, pretty gray and it's driving me goddamn nuts. Shoot. Okay. <laughs> Again, I'm not going to, I'm going to work on swearing. <laughs> I, I may do it, but I mean today. I think today when we talk about you know we talk when we're talking about about MMA and we're we're talking about testosterone. I feel like we can we can do that, yeah. even estrogen. You get a pass. I get a pass today. All right, so uh, I'm really excited to have have Rory here. Um, we're really really lucky because you know in the last I would say. The last two years, sport has really come around to the idea of medical cannabis, but people have been using it for so long. Um, even most recently, up of September 2017, WADA, the World Anti-Doping Association, took CBD off the banned substance list, which means you can use, and this came after the initial Nick Diaz uh, fiasco, yeah. and we can now use it. So I think that was a great start. So tell us about yourself. Tell us about what you do. I even want to know how you got into martial arts. And <laughs> I know we've we've spoken about it before. It's yeah. a small world, um, and uh, and then and then how how you sort of elevated yourself to the idea that that medical cannabis is potentially a useful uh, adjunct to for athletes, both in recovery mode, both mm. you know as an anti-inflammatory, whatever it is that brought you to, and how you're an advocate for it. Where did it all start? Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. Those are a lot yeah, of questions. Well, so just, I'll try to. God damn it! Start with my start, start my life start, story start, yeah, and go from can I there. Start with your life story. Um, so I've been uh, I've been in combat sports, uh, athlete and coach since I was about 13 years old. I started wrestling yeah. in high school. It was the first sport that I ever did that I felt good right away. Uh, I was an awful athlete, very mediocre at really? baseball, hockey, a lot of things that I tried to do. I worked hard. I, I've, I've told this story before. Have you ever seen the movie Rudy? Yeah, I, I would have been the Rudy on every I, team. Like it's. <laughs> Like, that movie. This guy sucks, but he works hard, right. so let's and keep so him on the team. Right. <laughs> That's um, awesome. We're wrestling, wrestling. I, <laughs> I was just, did I, hey, I'm not much taller. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm tall enough. I'm <laughs> okay. tall enough. All right. um, but, I, but I started wrestling, and it, and it made sense to me. Uh, and then through university, I started moving into to martial arts more, and I fell in love with it. I, I really like to fight. Um, and that sometimes has a negative connotation. People think you're, you're a thug. I'm not a thug at all. I, I, no, I, I, I train hard. I think about this a lot. It's an extremely cerebral sport that I spent a lot of time studying and thinking about for myself and for my athletes. Um, you mentioned earlier that I still fight. I don't actually fight. And this is actually a personal pet peeve of mine. I grapple competitively now. Okay. And, I, and the reason that matters, I've been in real fights. I've been right. punched and kicked in the face. You can probably tell by the way I look. Right. If I'm not getting punched in ears, really, I mean, and my some, nose and yeah, some well, of the other, I, yeah, but we all have the broken noses. <laughs> but I mean, somebody needed to drain those early on in life. I drained these every day, really, every day. But the thing is, I was getting ready for a fight, and you can't take time off no. training. So what they used to do, actually, this is old school medicine. Sound like they used to uh, they used to sew buttons yeah. into your ear to yes. keep the pocket closed. It's old school. We still we used to do that. All they the time. won't they won't do it anymore. No, they won't do it anymore. So so I got a insulin syringe and I drained it every day, but then I'd still go in, and so I end up with these awesome. <laughs> scarred up broken broken ears. ears. Yeah, okay. Um yeah. but that actually that, that actually leads to 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 something that we that you that you asked about. The the pain that you go through as a fighter, there's constant damage and you make those choices all the time. I have a serious injury, but I also have a fight coming up, so I'm going to make the decision to train anyways and kind of deal with the consequences. That's what athletes have to do. That's what athletes have to do. It is. And 
with uh, combat sports in particular, even if you're very good at it and you're doing it correctly, it still hurts. Yes. Right? It's uh, what I always say if you swim, you're going to get wet. You play hockey, you're going to be cold. If you fight, it's going to hurt. There's no way around it. You have to be comfortable Sorry, with that idea. You get idea. wet when you swim? Yeah, that's, that's new. That's right? new. I've never that I've never wrapped my head around that. Um, right, you're going to get hurt, no matter so, what it is. So you you have athletes that then are starting to look for pain management, and the pain management that's available is often more damaging Certainly. than what they're doing themselves. I've I'm not going to mention names, but I've run into well-known athletes, athletes that I've dealt with that are that are opiate addicts. Yeah. There's there's no other way to describe it. Beyond the end of their career, they retain the addiction to to some of the, those painkillers. So, I'll, I'll tell you for myself. I, when I used to work with pro athletes in the football world, after a game, they would come in and they would expect their opioids they'd expect their Tylenol 3s they'd expect the Percocets they'd expect even benzos which are benzodiazepines like muscle relaxers yep. they wouldn't even know the names they say doc can I get the home plate because it looks like a home plate <laughs> and and, oh and you're, you're sitting there nobody is and, and they grow up through the system yep. just seeing this stuff doled out right so how do you make that change how, you know, wh wh where, where does the thought process come into you? Hey, maybe there's another alternative. And, and how, how do you sit on the forefront or how, do you, how are you okay trying to coach an athlete and tell them it's okay to use something else? And how do you counsel them on, on opioids? Like, what do you do? I, I tell them to stay away from it completely. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, even, even, even something like uh, ibuprofen. If you use ibuprofen every single day, for years, it, there is a, a tangible damaging effect on your on your body. Yes, and that's that's more where I was. I never liked painkillers uh, for some of the reasons we've just discussed. I, it was also mental with me. I like to to win those little mental victories and say, okay, I'm 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 going to push through this. I'm going to deal with this discomfort as part of of my the mental stamina, the mental, the yeah. mental training. And sure. that's I mean, not everybody gets to that point. Um, but when you present something that could be uh, helpful in managing pain, helpful in managing inflammation, that doesn't have long-term addictive properties, that's maybe more beneficial to, to your body, why wouldn't I explore that or advocate that for, for that as a coach? That, that makes sense. This sport is damaging enough. Right. If we can take the edge off that in a safe, healthy way, of course. Sure. I'm open-minded to anything that's going to help my athletes sure. recover safely. What do you... What do you think the the defining moment, one of the defining moments that uh, or that you know Nick Diaz comes out? That, yep. I think that was probably one of the defining moments. He Maybe was the wrong. first guy that was willing to put his name and his reputation on the line as an advocate for right. something like CBD. And, right. and CBD is not uh, psychoactive, right? So there's Correct. no there's no you're not getting high. There's That's no right. recreational component. Right. And I think the fiasco you were talking about is where he, where he busted the vape pen out in the post-fight press conference. That's right. Yeah, and yeah. there's the, uh, the USADA rules say that you can't have any kind of intoxicant for four hours after a fight or you're in violation. And he did that deliberately within that four-hour window so that he could talk about it and so he could talk about the fact that it wasn't psychoactive and that it was helpful. Right. And as I understand it, that directly led to reevaluating CBD as a, as a banned substance. It did. So that, that's basically one of the, I mean, that was one of the, the nidises that pushed it all forward. I mean, I give, I give Nick a lot of credit for coming out to do that. What, whatever his intention was, was it, hey, you know, I'm a thug, here we go. Or was <laughs> it, I, and, I don't, and I don't care what she just recently did, yeah. you know. Um, or if it was, I'm going to make a point to say, we have an opioid problem here. And like you said, even, even NSAIDs, even something like Advil, you use it long. One, it's going to wreak havoc on your kidneys. It'll yep. wreak havoc on your gut, your gut lining. And, um, and using it over a long-term period can have detrimental effects to you. And there's some people that can't use it altogether. But something like CBD, which uh, cannabidiol, which uh, which has no antipsychotic or no psychotic properties all, uh, at all. Actually, it's an antipsychotic. It helps for uh, as an antipsychotic. Yeah. Um, but it also works like an opioid and like an uh, an anti-inflammatory combined together. So why not do that? So if that was the reason that he came out, then 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 kudos to him. Like that's that's. And even awesome, even if it wasn't deliberate, like you said, I mean, he is rough around the he's rough around the corner, or rough right. around the edges. My inclination is probably that it wasn't to like start a dialogue about it. That yeah. it's probably more I'm going to do whatever I want because I'm one of the Diaz brothers. But it did inadvertently maybe start a dialogue that I think is really valuable. So, what do you think? 
What do you think addiction is like in the sporting world? I mean, you come to our world, you, you know, from a medical perspective, and I did, you know, a fellowship in sports medicine, and so I see this stuff on a daily basis. Uh, addiction is real, especially around footballers and, and around athletes, but they have no education. Yeah. So what what's happening in, you know, in this, and, and now that MMA is so huge, um, and it's like you said, it's it's a painful sport. There's no way around. I mean, I played baseball the other day and I pulled my hamstring. <laughs> all right, so and I can't walk. But but this like this sport, you're getting your face punched every day. Yep. You're getting your legs. And even if you're doing it appropriately, and it is a sport. And you said actually, okay, I want to come back to the idea of fighting. You said the word. Let's not call it fighting. I well, ground grapple. Grappling is is different. Right. You're not in right. a fight. Yeah. It's a grappling match. And that's the I I love that's it. a chess game. It is, and I love yeah. the sport. But I love you the can sport. still get injured. Oh, I mean, absolutely. you get um, some of the worst injuries I've had were from being in ankle locks. Yeah, like, the, the 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 difference is um, you are specifically targeting aspects of the body to damage. Right? right, that's what a submission is. Like right. when I put you in a leg lock, I'm trying to threaten to tear the ACL, and if you tap out, I don't. And, but if you're late or you don't get the opportunity, I will tear that in ACL like wet newspaper. Right? Like that's that's <laughs> what a, that's what a heel hook does. Right. Done. Yeah. So yes, even even in grappling, which is a it's called the gentle art, but <laughs> there's it's some. It's only gentle if you tap. Exactly. It's not exactly. so gentle if you don't um, tap. So it, there it is it the hurts. potential yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for real injury, for yeah. sure. So what do you do? What do you see in your gym for people who are um, who have pain? What are they using? And do you recommend using cannabis as a coach? Take away the athlete. You mm-hmm. you you're a proponent of cannabis, right? Am yes. I correct if yep. I say that? Um, both the THC and CBD, which is totally yes. cool to say, because I think both of them have healing properties. Yeah. Um, and uh, as as a lifestyle, it's still it's still healthier than 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 drinking alcohol. And, of course. You know, we all like a scotch. <laughs> we, who, we yeah, do. who doesn't? I who feel doesn't? like I should have had scotch here. Instead, we have kombucha. You know, this is our our go to. It's, it's actually not bad, right? It's not bad. It's pretty good. Um, yeah. So, uh, what do you what do you do for your for your athletes? How would you counsel them and do you see addiction presenting and how does it present and what do you do so i'll address the addiction side first yeah. because this is actually a conversation i've had with my with my dad and a number okay. of times um there is a history of addiction in my family there's yeah. there's been some alcohol and, and drug abuse on on both sides of my family there is definitely a genetic component i think to, to addiction and i see an addictive personality in both my dad and i and also in a lot of the fighters that, that I, I think train. that leads us to fight like i to, think to i think area. the the the, the compulsion to do yeah. something over and over and over again can be a good thing or a bad thing. And my dad's always said, I, you know, let's find something healthy and good for us and ultimately beneficial to pour ourselves into so that we don't get drawn into drugs and drinking sure. or gambling or whatever you can get addicted to. Where I see it start to become a it's problem. All the fun things in life. It's all anyway. the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, you're like drugs. Just in moderation. Just, and, yeah. just in moderation. And then you, you get addicted to the, the more beneficial things, right. hopefully. But when you move past that. So I'm 36. I'm moving into a part of my life where I'm going to be fighting less. Uh, I still train. I still compete in grappling. But what if, what if somebody doesn't do that anymore? And they've gone from, this is what they do every day. They've got a very regimented lifestyle that they pour themselves into, and then that's gone. There is still a compulsion there. And I see right. that oftentimes leading to mm. addiction. Uh, and when you couple that point. with people that have been using opiates Medicinally, maybe even correctly, to to, to mask pain or well, to most help. addiction presents. I mean, they've been prescribed it at one yeah. point or another, and uh, and 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 we see that we see that all the time. That's what it is. And my doctor gave me this because I sprained my ankle. We know that you know opioids for broken ankles and stuff. I mean, for and for strains and sprains, it's not all that helpful. And, yeah, and compared to. To even to NSAIDs, we just have a study that was just published, and they're almost equivalent to use in the emergency department. But um, uh, but most of them do. My point being is, most people do start. You said even being used appropriately, addiction still presents even when it's appropriate. When it's That's been prescribed. the problem. Yeah. And, and so it, what do we do? You, you, do you, you, do? Then, you then lose control of that right. afterwards, right? That becomes kind of the defining feature. And I've, I've had 
two people in my life die from from opiate related deaths yeah. that were professional athletes, professional fighters, uh, wow. and, and lost lost control of that afterwards. And it's it's heartbreaking. It it, it has impacted me personally. Certainly. Um, so if I have an athlete uh, approach me, I will push them away from that. I look at holistic. Uh, uh, yeah. What do you do? I like in your place. You have a naturopath. You do, we do. Like, we have we have a naturopath. I've I brought a nutritionist in uh, one of our professional <coughs> fighters, Aaron Jeffries. Fantastic guy knows what he's doing. Knows how to get people eating clean, uh, helping reduce inflammation through diet. Um, you know, advocating for intelligent training so that we're not going in saying, "Okay, we're doing six sessions today as hard as we can every day until this fight." Training smarter, not harder. Oh, we are. <laughs> Some of these guys, you know, right. you got to pull back pretty hard on the leash yeah. to get them to, to be that way. Yeah. But that's my job as a coach, right? right? I've said that before. If fighters are supposed to say yes, I want to do this. Coaches are supposed to say no. Right. Pull back that's a good. little bit. This is what we're going to do. You know, you're coachable if you can say yes and just keep saying yes. Exactly. That's no. that's what I look for in an athlete. That's yeah. a little off topic, but 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 uh, somebody yeah, somebody if if they offered you uh, a fight against uh, the world champion in your weight class tomorrow as a fighter, you should say yes, absolutely, that's I want right. that fight. And maybe as a coach, you say. Let's look for a better opportunity right. than the toughest guy on earth right now. So you're um, in a big, you're in a, an important role. So you play an important part in these people's lives yes. when they, when, and they'll come to you and say, I, you know, what should I be doing? Or I have an addiction or I have a problem. What do you do? So if, uh, if it's, if it's dealing with pain, I will absolutely advocate for things like CBD. That's, that's, okay. that, that seems like a, like a no brainer for me, uh, to, to get them, uh, reducing the inflammation and dealing with, uh, with, with pain. Um, what was the other component of that question? The uh, I don't know. <laughs> Pay any fucking attention to what I was saying. Just ask a goddamn question. I'm just talking. You turn it I'm back on me now. Follow, uh, follow I, I, I don't this. follow up. No. So um, how do you counsel? How do you counsel people? Like, I mean, you're as a coach, you're a, cou- you're a counselor, man. You're everything. Yeah, yeah you are. There's, so there's a. You've got Type A personalities that just want to go, and they're they 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 have that need for something, and it's yeah. that addictive personality that drives them to be to be a pro, to be perfect. How do you take that person and counsel them away? away from using opioids say hey just don't use it or are they coming to you and they're still using it because it will impair them so I have I've actually you know what's funny I've never I've had one athlete that came to me and was was honest about opiates uh, and I was able to work with him to, to to move away from that I gave him uh, some some work that we could do together that didn't aggravate the injuries that he had so he still felt like he was doing something so now we're not trying to deal with this agonizing pain every day we right. can work around it you've got a torn hamstring right now uh, so let's focus on our boxing we'll throw hands we'll be really careful with that that hamstring you can come into the gym and do work without aggravating that so do you think it's important to, to bridge? Maybe that's a bridge that most people aren't crossing. Maybe if I was to go into a gym, you know, and, uh, or, or you're to go into your own gym and, and start talking about these things, maybe we need to raise that vibration a little bit and start bringing awareness uh, absolutely. To, to the idea. And so the question is, how do we bring that awareness? I think one of the ways that we do it is, you know, or that you can do it uh, in general is when you're having the discussion, because I can guarantee you that most of the athletes that come through you and that go through any MMA, Jim, uh, or any sport in general, or go. A lot of them are going home and they're taking a Tylenol three, or they're taking yep. codeine, and they're taking something, and we're just not asking the question. Yep. And uh, and and those people are, are being are being are being missed. So so I think maybe one of the ways is that we bring that question, we bring those things up. Maybe it's time to talk about that. Uh, and I, maybe that's what the whole point of Nick Diaz was. What other MMA fighters do we know that are, are sitting out there using? There's there's a lot. There, yeah. There's actually a lot. It's funny. I was uh, when I knew that I was coming on the show. I, I did a little research and looked at, at guys that have uh, that have lost fights because because they they tested positive for cannabinoids. Uh, I know that uh, you know we were discussing uh, beforehand Eddie Bravo and Joe Rogan. They're huge in the MMA world. Right. Eddie, Eddie Bravo is an advocate for for cannabis as a training tool. So this is beyond what I'm comfortable with. But he would have guys smoke before they do jujitsu with the idea that it's going to make you more relaxed and creative and open-minded on the mat. So I'll let just actually, I, I'll just comment on that. So um, cannabinoids act in sport and in, in, uh, on the physiology. Our body produces its own cannabinoids, right? Which are master regulators of our bodily function. So they're going to f- affect everything from our brain to our toes. Uh, when it comes to focus and it comes to attention, we have, uh, which is a combination of, I actually um, wrote an article on this. I think it's on Facebook. I can't remember where. Um, it may have been for a Yahoo thing. Yeah, Yahoo. How do you pronounce that? 
Yahoo. Yahoo. It's still around. <laughs> Is that a thing? It's okay. It's not Google anymore. I don't know. Anyway, so uh, it just dated me, but I only a couple years. I, anyway, so um, attention and focus are a combination of multiple areas of our brain, usually regulated by dopamine and serotonin. Cannabinoids act synergistically with dopamine and with serotonin, and in some cases can decrease uh, or I guess increase the amount of serotonin that's uh, not reabsorbed. So it keeps it hanging around longer. So your attention and your uh, even creativity would be improved. Mm -hmm. So cannabinoids can actually do that. Um, mostly it's actually a combination, both THC and CBD will do that. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why uh, I think that people tell us, say, hey, I feel hyper-focused with this uh, some people will go to sleep, but other yeah. people feel hyper-focused. I think one of the detriments would be the muscle relaxation yeah. at that point in time. Uh, what you want during activity is you want to feel uh, you want to feel hyper you want to feel more focused, and you want to feel more in control. And I think through um, through the mechanisms uh, of dopamine and serotonin. Um, and the synergistic effect of the endocannabinoid system, which is our own inherent cannabis we produce, the same stuff that's in the plant, we're able to do that. Sometimes we have a deficiency in that endocannabinoid system, where if we use the exogenous cannabinoid or we use the cannabis that comes from the plant, I know I'm using my hand because I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm, I'm, listen, okay, I'm a bud tam, uh, what am I, uh, a bud tender? I'm, I'm pulling them off the plants, I'm drying it now. Um, and we have the ability to to alleviate that deficiency and improve our serotonin and dopamine um, reuptake, which will then improve uh, whatever focus. I think yeah. that might be the reason. Anyway, that's it's, the physiology behind it. I don't know. But I know that Joe Rogan is a huge proponent yep, of, of the use of cannabis. But the ca question is why? Do they have the science? Do they know why they want it? Or are they just saying, hey, it works? Or or what are you hearing in the in your world? Because it know, seems like MMA is leading the charge on this. It, it, it does seem to be. I... I the way I feel about it, it you, and you, you made references, the muscle relaxation, I think it can sometimes lead to a lack of focus. So I'm not entirely against the idea, I don't want it on the mat. Uh, right. I wouldn't want it on the mat any more than I'd want people to have a couple of glasses of scotch before they come into train. And is that Fair. really that big a deal? Probably not. I think it generates the wrong atmosphere on the mat. Okay. And it's, it, it's not what I want my athletes uh, doing. But, but are you if, okay with them taking an opioid and coming on the mat? No. Okay. Absolutely not. All right. That's beauty. that's actually much worse. Yes, um, certainly. Much worse for a couple of reasons. I think it, it makes you dopey, one. Yeah, but does. two, uh, we talked earlier about tapping out. Yeah. If you're limiting your ability to feel pain, you are damaging Good joints uh, beyond right. beyond where they would if you weren't. Right. I don't want people. I don't want people inebriated when they're training. Period. Good. Now, if they say that they that they find that they uh, what I, what I'll do because I do I do smoke recreationally as well. I'll go home, smoke, and study. That's that works for me. I'll yeah. watch tape. It makes you I'll super study cerebral. I'll it gets me into a different mind frame, and I'm like you said. I think I'm a little bit more able to absorb some ideas, or it gets me thinking a little differently. That works for me, and that's not on the mat. That's not going to impact my training. But at the same time, playing devil's advocate, Eddie Bravo has produced some very, very good, legitimate grapplers from his uh, program and from his system. He himself, uh, where he made his bones as a, as a grappler, he beat as a he was a no name, and he got into the Abu Dhabi uh, Combat Challenge, right. which is like the Olympics of grappling. Right. And he beat Hoyler Gracie. And Hoyler right. Gracie at that time was, was Michael the, Jordan. He was, he was the came, guy, yeah. right? And Eddie Bravo tapped him I out. I saw some real fights of that guy, too. He's, he's, the, he's tough. Some, yeah, he's, he's tough. tough. The Gracies are, yeah. you know, they, they didn't evolve as quickly as some of the other martial artists, but they were always tough. And they come from a background. Uh, do, you know, do you know anything about the Gracies? You know Helio Gracie? Yeah, I mean, I just watched some of their stuff. So yeah, he, Helio Gracie, I love this guy. He weighed 130 pounds soaking wet, and he put an ad in the Rio paper saying, That's if right. you want to get your ass kicked, show up to my address. I this address, and I'll, and I'll beat you up. Open invite in Rio de Janeiro yeah. in the 50s, which is a third world country yeah. to come fist fight. Like, uh, I, I like that. Yeah, that, not, that that's, Rio is probably ooh, one like of Helio. the most, yeah, most dangerous cities then, on our planet. Another, yeah. another, another quick story about, you've ever heard of Kumara, the, the <laughs> submission? So no, he, have I, thank you. I'm just being, just, we'll <laughs> say that's for the listeners. We'll say, say that's for dick. the listeners. <laughs> I'm a dick. Um, no, that's, so, that's Andre today, just saying. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll chat about Andre. We'll yeah, well, he's right here. It's about there's as an empty, there's an empty mic. Anyway. So Kumara was is a shoulder lock. Helio challenged the judo heavyweight champion of the world, a guy named Kumara, to a fight. Uh, no holds barred Valley Tudo fight. So they fought, and he had his shoulder broken in the shoulder lock. After it was broken, 
he, after it broke, he tapped out uh, as a sign of respect, and then again as a sign of respect, they named the submission after him in the in the system. That was a Kimura, but yeah. it's a uh, it's badass. Yeah, it's badass. I like uh, wow. I like how they approach. That's crazy. Uh, honor and uh, yeah, of and, and fighting. It's it's one of the best things that I think they brought to, to martial arts. If he would have had cannabis, he probably wouldn't have felt it either. And <laughs> probably keep so it off the map. So I that's don't know. <laughs> that's, a, that's actually a, that's actually a good question. Would do you think because uh, the, the the only real compelling reason I've heard for cannabis being judged as as performance enhancing is that there is a pain masking component to it. And they said the same thing about uh, cortisone shots. Yes. Where if you get a cortisone shot, that's a that's considered a performance enhancing drug. Even though it it isn't, but it masks pain to the point where that either puts you in harm's way or gives you an advantage because you're you're not feeling it as much. So I think CBD we can take off the table uh, for that. It's yep. an anti-inflammatory. I guess the question is: Is Advil considered a performance-enhancing drug? You can use Advil. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not listed. Um, Tylenol is not listed. Certain like pseudoephedrine is listed. Yeah, of course. Things like that, but those those can all. Um, improve performance it does mask pain it has the potential to mask pain it doesn't it just makes you not care about it actually yeah uh at least thc can help you not care about your pain question is does thc if it has the potential to improve focus and improve agility and it improves motor performance Mm -hmm. um i mean specifically in, in people that have a movement disorder, it can, it, it can improve those things. Can that be considered uh, a, uh, a performance-enhancing drug? Well, is caffeine a performance I would say absolutely drug? it is. Right. So um, is caffeine on WADA? No. Nope. So if you can use caffeine, then you should be able to use it because it pretty it acts yep. similarly. I, I don't disagree. Just Actually, the the first time I heard this, so I was I was in university a while ago, fifteen years ago, which is shocking to say for me out loud, oh, anyways. Um, but I remember going. I was wrestling. Where did you go wrestler, to? You U- university of Guelph. Yeah, I wrestled. Uh, you wrestled at Guelph. I did. Yeah, I played rugby. Uh, I wasn't, but not for Guelph. I was at. I was at York. <laughs> Rugby's a great sport too. I actually, I, I work as a, yeah. I go into with uh, with a high school team, and I work yeah. as a tackling coach. Oh, great! Because a lot of it is so yeah. similar to, to wrestling. It's a lot of fun. I, I love rugby. One of my favorite team sports. Yeah. But I remember uh, they they had a a seminar with a doping agent that kind of was explaining what we could and couldn't do and why. And right. he said at that time, he said, this this is ridiculous, but they've recently taken the upper limit off caffeine in terms of your your the amount of caffeine that you could really? have. And they and he said they have left and they, I know it's changed since then, but they've left the the limit on cannabis. And he said from my point of view, he so said this. Strange. This he said you have to follow these rules because you are an athlete, and and right. they they make those rules. But he said from my point of view, this is totally backwards. This doesn't make sense. Caffeine has measurable uh, improvements on performance right. across the board, yeah. and cannabis it, it just doesn't fall in the same category. It, it doesn't, and it doesn't even. Ha- I mean, it. I can't even tell you that it has measurable improvements on like it has the potential on, to potentially, maybe yeah I mean, or you just sit in your couch and, uh, <laughs> and you're just like where are the where are the Cheetos buddy no uh, but the question is why does it do that it actually improves your hunger mechanism so mm. you Im- interesting okay well, let's here's some more science so Love science yeah here's the science of of cannabis when it comes to uh, weight loss actually THC is pretty good at um, at helping maintain weight loss because it improves um it improves uh pancreatic function it improves glucose metabolism uh thcv which is one of the metabolites of uh of cannabis of thc it actually improves weight loss now it's hard to create thcv but cbd does something very similar by improving uh self-functioning in islet cell of the pancreas, you improve glucose metabolism. There's a couple studies on it, in, in fact. Uh, the one that I'm thinking of, I can't remember the name offhand, but those who were using cannabis had 16%, 16% decrease in uh, glucose resistance. Uh, in a glucose resistance challenge? No, 16% lower fasting glucose okay. and a 20% improvement in glucose resistance. Okay. Thank you. I pulled that out. You're welcome. Thank you. That's as far as my brain can go today. <laughs> I'm now done. <laughs> Fuck it. Here's a penny for the jar. I don't have one. But, oh, by the way, we have a jar. This is our own. So every day we have, we're going to have some one part new to this swear jar. One, I've decreased my swearing like immensely since in the last little bit, right? I think we can all agree to that. 
think we count on one hand, so the swears so far. That's pretty good. I think I've only sworn once. I just swore. Well, you Did said, I God s- damn it, right at the start. Shit. And you just swore oh, again. Oh. Okay, but anyway, the bottom line is today we have a swear jar, but no money to go into it. So next time we'll have the money. <laughs> All right? <laughs> Every day we're just going to improve. Okay, so the bottom line, uh, I don't even remember how this came up, but we were talking about... Uh, talking about um, Oh, improving how I was talking about couch lock that you can get yeah. from from cannabis, which is really the muscle relaxation part that you get from it. So you don't want to use it on a mat, which I totally agree with you about. Um, the uh, you get improved even though you may eat more. So it's really good to improve appetite, and it's great for people that have a problem eating. Uh, um, and we use it all the time in, in cachectic patients or pa- patients that have um, a, uh, hepatitis C or. Um, or HIV and have eating difficulties because it improves your hang- hunger mechanism. So it, it, mostly because it improves smell, and we know that smell is a function of your entire brain pretty mm. much. And through smell, you you improve your your hunger mechanisms start start going. Mm. You get those hunger pangs, and so uh, you may eat more. But if you eat more, one, it should be healthy, of course, whatever you do eat. But your glucose metabolism is improved, so you aren't going to gain all that weight unless, of course, you're eating junk. Yeah. Junk. But anyways, oh, that was totally aside. I don't. I don't even know where we were talking. I was talking <laughs> about couch lock. <laughs> totally offside. But uh, point being that um, we just have to be uh, on using cannabis on the mat can cause muscle relaxation yep. and does improve hunger mechanisms. But I don't know why we're still talking about that. I'm totally perseverating on hunger today. <laughs> Usually it's haircuts, but you don't have any hair, so we're good. I don't have to talk oh. about haircuts. So no, no, it's good. It was cold-blooded. <laughs> that was cold-blooded. Have, hey, you know what? I would take a little salt and pepper in my beard to have a full head of hair. That's, and I, uh, I would take your beard and take no hair. That's a terrible trade-off. No. This takes beard. a full second off my 100-meter time, though. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and in the pool when you're swimming. That's right. Oh. It, it just falls right I'm not, off your I'm aerodynamic. Not I'm not built for swimming. <laughs> yeah, no. I hear you. Well, I'm I, not either. I still try. I eh? swim like a brick. Yeah, right. I hear you. Me too. But I still love swimming. I don't yeah. know. Do you swim? I love swimming. I don't like the water. I just. Oh, you don't? No, I'm like a house cat. Really? Yeah. You don't like water? I don't like water. Why not? Um, well, this is getting. I'll, Get personal. Okay. I, um, Did I didn't drown when I was uh, 11 years old. I was uh, at a oh. summer camp and I was. Uh, I took a, um, a sailing course at this summer camp. And then one of these other idiot kids uh, steer the rudder and he. Uh, pushed it so far to the left that the boat capsized. Oh. And I was stuck under the boat. Not, no danger whatsoever of drowning. Right. I had a life life jacket on and I was underwater for less than 30 what seconds. What camp was that? I'm but there was, there was a moment where uh, the life jacket had pushed me up against the, the base of the boat and I was looking straight down and I could see the mast going 30 feet into the water and then sunlight hitting the, the, the sail all the way down and beneath that blackness. And it was it was uh, probably in my formative years, memory wise, and I had nightmares until I was like thirty five, which that's, is that's right now. Pure PTSD. Um, it's that's what it is. That's when nightmares. It, that's how it happens. Maybe, maybe I've never actually thought about it that way, but I've just never enjoyed water. Since. I have the same problem from Jaws. From Jaws. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, yeah. no. I did this similar thing. I watched Jaws, and I and I can't even take a bath because yeah. I think a shark is coming out of the drain. Yeah. Like game, so you know, what, you know, what, actually, the other one. This is uh, I mean, you awesome. ever see the movie Arachnophobia? Uh, yeah. yeah. So no, there's there's no, a scene where not. the the spiders come out of the shower head. I'm for five years after I saw that Done. movie, I could not turn my back to the Done. shower head just in case, right. just in case a spider came out. Like because looking at it is going to make a difference I, too, I right? Think our just, entire generation has been ruined from those two movies, from Jaws and Arachnophobia. This like, also is not the toughest pop podcast I've ever done. We're getting <laughs> right. we're getting really real okay. about. Yeah, about um, I thought this was going to be about like listen, testosterone listen, and right, fighting and is. stuff like that. Okay, so that, let's bring it back. All right, anyway, my deepest just, fears. <laughs> we're looking at a mast and light <laughs> falling off. Anyway, we're we're going on. Okay, last topic. The idea. So we've. Cannabis, we're, so you would agree that cannabis is fine for you. You don't want it being used during, actually during training. Nope. Fine to use after training. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically around CBD. I'm not certain that CBD, I don't think that CBD has to be withheld during activity because there are no psychoactive effects to it. It can cause muscle relaxation though, which mm. may inhibit somebody from feeling pain but do you train with advil are you okay with somebody training with advil so the other the other component and you you might know more about this than i do but i but i was reading about how your brain uh learns and absorbs information and they said that if you learn something 
high, you're actually better able to remember it while you're also in that same state. I don't know how so true that muscle is. Muscle memory is important. Yep. So and so what what brings people to a memory is that same being in that same circumstance. Yes. The neural connections connect when you're in that state. Yep. So when I when I get a fighter training, ideally they come into the gym listening to the music they're going to walk into the ring to. Smart. They wear the clothes that they're going to fight in. Really? They don't wear their shirt when they're when they're sparring because they're not going to wear a shirt when they fight. Uh, they are as close to the state that they're going to be in when they compete as possible. I actually read about the Soviet boxing team. So the Soviet boxing team was despised across the world. So they were going to get booed wherever they went. So the coaches played a soundtrack of booing and heckling hmm. so that they compete and train in the memory. same... Genius. Exactly. So if we're not going to, to fight high, if we're not going to compete high, I don't want you training high. Makes I want sense. you in the same exact mental state that you're going to be in or as close to it as possible. We do that in in <laughs> in academia. I'm going <laughs> this is totally horrible. We're talking about fighting and I'm saying that's how we that's how we prep for our exams. There is we uh, the fighting thing. fighting Six months before we don't even look at a book. It's all rewriting exams. And we fighting fighting is a, muscle memory. it is the most cerebral thing I have ever Total done. Uh, you know, I I have a history and a literature degree and I did not put nearly the amount of thought or effort in to right. writing an essay about uh, Virginia Woolf that I do into thinking about, about what's that? You wrote about Virginia Woolf. That's a great name to pull out. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. It was it was memorable because I hated it. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm just it was one of the things that pushed me that. away from from yeah, literature yeah, yeah, in, in in general. Yeah. Um, but I've thought far more about fighting. I really believe it is uh, it is more cerebral than it is physical uh, as as a sport. And that okay. I, I'll have people that maybe disagree with me. I and and this is not arrogance. I would defy somebody that is successful in this sport to say the same thing. I have never heard a successful coach or successful athlete say that this isn't the most cerebral thing that they've ever done. I think about guys like Greg Jackson and Faraz Sahabi that produce world champions. If you or John Thanner, you listen to the yeah, uh, the Joe Rogan yeah. uh, podcast, he was a philosophy professor That's at right. Columbia that Lost interest in that, that up. and moved towards jujitsu, right. uh, and it, and and he approaches it the same way. It, it what, what a cool sport where you get to think that much. So let me then. So that brings me to my next my my next point or next topic, and we were just sort of hitting on this earlier on, and that's so it is cerebral. We agree. We agree that the more experience you have in it, probably the better off you are. Does mm -hmm. um, doesn't really matter how big you are. I mean, we used to see Dan Severn lose all yeah, the time at the end. It's the what I say with career. with if if there's if technique comes into play, size does matter, right? If right. if you have two athletes of the same skill set, skill set and yeah. knowledge base, that's why they have weight classes, right? Uh, because it does matter. Although it matters more in striking than it does in grappling. There's an interesting uh, uh, component of grappling where they have the absolute division, and the absolute division is open weight class, and you don't even usually see the heavyweights winning. It's really cool when you see a rooster weight, 125 pound munchkin, wow. go in and you know, wrap up a heavyweight and choke them out. And that happens. That happens quite a bit. They use them as a jungle gym. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> what's that saying? If, uh, if size mattered in the fight, the, uh, the elephant would be the king of the jungle, not right. the lion. That's right. For sure. Well, my point is, um, things like cannabis or things like even testosterone, I'm not putting mm. them in the same class at all, that are now allowing fighters to fight longer on in their careers. Yep. Does that put them at an advantage from a younger fighter who doesn't have the same Te not even, maybe it's not technical skill. Doesn't have that same cerebral thought. It's, and what do we do about that? It's a you, you you turn this on the head in a way that I haven't that I haven't heard before, and it got got me thinking. Because you're absolutely right, and I've said this before. You see MMA athletes reaching their peak later than you see boxers, uh, right. later than you see track athletes, because the mental side matters. Yes. So you are looking at a number of UFC champions that are in their mid to late thirties. That's not unusual. Really, and it's, I could still fight. Well, no, because we I mean we're not starting in the mid to late thirties. <laughs> not starting. Hey, we we went through it. You know. I know, but you're starting so professionally. Start. Yeah, I would. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there, the experience does matter. And if you're using something like testosterone, yeah. where now you have the benefit of the younger body as well as the benefit of the older, more experienced mind, that is absolutely an unfair advantage. Okay. Um, now, if you're talking, uh, you know, Andre, who was supposed to be here today, but but bailed on both of us. Right. Yeah. Um, I love the guy. Can I, we just talk about why he? Fucking bailed. Ugh. Jarn. Jarn. Um, he bailed. Why? Because he's doing the Pan Am games and he can't miss a half hour of his training. He wouldn't even miss his training. What do you think about that? I... 
What do you think about that? I think that? he probably didn't feel like doing it. I think, I, and I think it's a handy that. excuse that yes. it's a... At the same time, to play devil's advocate, you know he's ge- getting ready for a, a major competition, and he's I got don't a want delicate to be devil's mental, advocate right now. Well, he's got a de- delicate mental sensibility, so all he needs the time. To, I know That's it's like the, a little flower. Yes, all day. <laughs> so now, enough with the, um, the, the devil's advocate. So, what do you really think? Uh, I wish he was here. Okay, me I wish too. I wish he was here. That's so do that's I. that's. Uh, I hope he does listen to this because I love the guy. Uh, I just wish I saw him more. Yes. I wish I saw him more, and I know he's got a lot on the go. Uh, and sometimes he doesn't like to do things like this, but I do. He is smart and he's interesting and he's got a great perspective. I would right. have loved to chat with him. Yeah, today. I think he's. A but you you look at you look at a guy like Andre. He's a world champion. <laughs> yes, he is. But he's a world champion in his age group, right. which is thirty to thirty five. So if you're talking about that. Now, if they're adding testosterone, okay, that seems fair. That as long as it's not as long as it's not prohibited, and both athletes have the opportunity to do that, now you're dealing with an equal playing field mentally and physically, and I am okay with that. It's when you have a disparity where one athlete has an unfair advantage. I never uh, is age I, an unfair advantage. Experience is. Yes. Uh, it's uh, it's if it's an unfair advantage if you're also supplementing the the physical side. That's where you're getting mm-hmm. kind of the benefit of both. That's what the unfair advantage is. Um, I was. Do you know who Dan Gable is? No. Dan Gable is, uh, he's an American wrestler. He won the Olympics. Uh, Sounds familiar. He is yeah, a, he's a very, he's a very famous that, wrestler. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, yeah, Iowa yeah, coach. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, so he was competing that's... in the in the 60s yeah, before yeah. steroids were illegal, but after they knew what they were. Right. So he was competing against a Soviet guy. He said, I knew, I knew he was juicing. I knew he was juicing. But he said, that gave me an advantage because mentally he didn't think he could beat me without steroids. So there's a, there's a fracture point there. Mm-hmm. There's something weak there that I can break if I push hard enough. I, oh, man, I like that. I read that when I was in, in university. He wrote a book. He did. He's, he's, that's uh, where I got that. I can't remember the the. He's a fascinating guy. It wasn't Men of Matt. What was that? It might have been. There's a there's a few books about him. His life is maybe it was in Men of the Mat when I used to wrestle in high school. You I talk about gave us this P- PTSD. His sister was raped and murdered when she was young, and he was very young. He was oh. it was before high school, and to to deal with it, wow. he moved into her room in in their house and lived in her wow. room. And I think that was a very much a motivating factor in why he became such a great wrestler. Sure. But he's somebody that I that I admired and looked up to. Wow. And what I took away from that, the reason I was I found wrestling appealing, the reason I find grappling and fighting appealing is because I am testing myself against you. What I'm bringing to the table, the work that I've done versus what you're bringing to the table and the work that you've done. And if I'm supplementing something, that's not me. That's not what I'm bringing to the table. Right. Um, and I never, I, I wouldn't, I, I would never have touched Anything that, that I thought would give me an unfair advantage because it would have it would have tainted it for me. Even if nobody else knew, I would have known. So that's the Olympic ideal, right? That, that, that's, was, that's the that's the Baron de Coubertin's like overall yeah. back like the rejuvenation of the Olympics was. You read about the am- social class am- yeah, yeah, uh, the, with the amateur idea of of fair game, yes, fair play, but it doesn't exist. Does it? it? Like everybody's looking for some 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 leverage. Yeah. And uh, I, I think fair play is get on the mat, work hard. Yep. Exercise your body to a point or to whatever point you want. That's the fair play. You're both at the same advantage. If we start adding things in, does that put you at an, an, a disadvantage? Or put you at a more, uh, does that add an advantage to it? So I read that's, a, I, that's where I'm trying to, I read trying a really, to wrap my head around. I read a really interesting idea. Uh, I was reading about game theory, um, and they talked about fair play. Mm-hmm. And they said, so if fair play, if that's the goal, what you need to do is open up everything to everybody. That's the only way to ensure fair play. I, right. So I, if I everybody can do everything, you can you can eat whatever you want, you can yeah. do whatever drugs you want, you can be supplemented and doped up to your gills, that's fair because everybody has the same opportunity and we all know that we're on the same playing field. But where we have uh, the rewards, so do I. It uh, made so it, much sense. It, it, they said yeah. when you have the rewards outweighing the punishment by this amount, Lance Armstrong, Cheated every time, and he had to because uh, you know we all know the stats. They, Everybody yeah, did. They all, did. Uh, they all they all doped. But the amount of rewards that he got from those wins are still not outweighed by by the the punishment. So right. you either have to make the punishment so bad that the rewards aren't worth it, right? You will never do this sport again. You're vilified publicly. You will never compete in anything again. Maybe then. Right. But even then, you have to be able to catch people doing it. And the science. Uh, did you see the movie Icarus? 
Oh, that was a long time ago. It's uh, it's it's about the Russian yeah. doping scandal. Oh, maybe and I, then maybe I didn't. So you, you should check it okay. out, especially because it pertains to a you lot of what we're talking it. about you today. See, you've seen it. Fascinating. Where do you see all this shit stuff? It is. Really? It's not, and it's not even close. I just and read, it, watch. It's, don't speak. <laughs> the the the, the depth the. The depth of the systemic uh, really? Russian doping scandal, really? and what what comes out is that the science is ahead of the science of cheating is ahead of the science of catching cheaters. Right, and it's it is yeah. years apart. Really? Where if you have the right scientist uh, and the right timing, uh, the reason the Russians uh, kind of got caught is because Putin was so aggressive about Sochi that he said, "I don't want them cycling off. I want to win every medal. So I want these guys juiced up when they're competing." So they found ways to actually smuggle urine in and out. Um, but beyond that, if they're not going that far, if you're just cycling off before competition, you can compete clean and train dirty yeah. for a long time. Right. So sure you if you really want that that fair playing field, you got to just leave You got to say you've got to make it all you've got to make it all go legal. crazy or you deal and with that's an imperfect the world. Prohibitionist world anyways, you know. Well, I'm you, not a prohibitionist. Did you did you did you ever watch Pride? Yeah. We were, we were talking beforehand about the choke. Pride was unashamedly open about do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Yeah, you can see we don't test. And I've actually had I've had fighters. I had a little bit of a moral quandary where I had a fighter competing in Russia where the promoter said to him, just so you know, we don't test. We don't test at all. Go do whatever you want with that information. And then he comes to me and he's like, so. So what should I do? So what should I do? So what should I do? And I I struggle with this. I talked to my dad about it, um, but I said, why if, if, if it's open, why would we not use every advantage that we can? Right, I, and I still struggle with this. I still don't know if it was the right message to send to him. But this guy is dealing with uh, world-class competition, fighting in the UFC. Uh, you know, he he got cut by the UFC and is trying to get his way back. And he has an opportunity to compete somewhere that it is legal. I call that willful blindness. Willful blindness in what regard? So, you know, um, the idea of knowing something exists and that it's happening, this puts you as a coach. That's where really where it puts you. That's really the question that it comes down to yes. is willful blindness. Is I want to do what's in the best interest. At the end of the day, you want to do what's in the best interest of your athlete. Yes. And, and if you're doing all these other things to, to give them that edge, that's not in the best interest of the athlete because it's going to harm them health. Health-wise, and if they get caught, it's going to damage their career. It's going to damage everything. Their reputation, everything. Right. So it's not in the best interest of that person, but you know you can get away with it in this circumstance because nobody is really looking that way. So I'm going to say, I know it shouldn't happen, but I'm just going to let that happen anyways because it doesn't matter for that circumstance. So that's willful blindness. So So it's still on the the spectrum of wrong. So... The, w- the way I looked at it, and, and I don't like the idea of willful blindness, and maybe it's because I'm a control, control <laughs> okay. freak, but I want, right. if, if I would, I've never had an athlete come to me and tell me that they're, that they're juicing, and if they did, I would, I would, right. I would push hard to get That's them right. off so of that, it. Right, because I don't, I don't like that either. It puts I, me in a shitty situation. But so so yeah. we talked about pride. So the rules in pride allowed soccer kicks to the head of a downed opponent. Right, that I remember that. That is expressly forbidden UFC. Well, I don't even is, think it's yeah. that, I don't think it's that crazy of a well, it's thing. bad. It can be. So it can be. It, there is no. Somebody does not know when to stop. That's what the ref is there for. Yeah, but there, there, there. So let me ask you this: they, in the sorry, in Pride, do you remember Pride watching yeah. Pride? So there'd be ten kicks to a head before you were stopped. You know who you got it the worst too? The Japanese fighters. Yeah. Because the Japanese refs would be trying to give them a chance yeah. to stay in the fight. That's right. And if you ever watched Sakuraba fight, I love that guy. I was I was convinced I was going to see him die in the ring. Yeah. Because the the refs wouldn't protect him and he wouldn't protect himself. No. So I take that same athlete to Japan. Yeah. And soccer kicks are allowed in this league only. Do I tell him not to throw those kicks? Yeah. Right? What, what, that, that would you, be you can't. that You're would be him criminal negligence yeah, sure. if I tried to convince him to do that. Yeah. So if we're talking about a situation where you know the athlete that he's competing against has this opportunity, but I feel a little icky about it, but it's allowed in this league. Am I doing my due diligence as a coach if I tell him that I don't want him to do it? Right. Because I have a, a personal feeling about right. this, but I'm putting him in harm's way. I have no problem putting him in that ring right. to fight. But that and, and if you tell him to hold that back, you're now putting him in more at a harm's disadvantage. Way. 
exactly. total disadvantage. This is, and this is why it was it's such tough. a moral quandary for me. That's this tough. is, I literally lost sleep over this, and ultimately, I felt that that doing my job, keeping him safe, giving him the best opportunity to win, we do whatever we can in this league to win. Whatever's allowed in the rules, I will advocate for. Mm-hmm. If they came out tomorrow and said the UFC is now allowing drug bonanza you can you can go <laughs> you can crazy. poke eyes <laughs> am i yeah. going to say well not for us guys of course not i'm going to i'm going to look at do you uh, say i'm not partaking in something like that do you stick to do you stick to a ground i do it with cannabis all the time where you know, we're we're stuck in a in a. I know it's, it's, we're talking fighting and we're talking cannabis and we're talking about these, these are interesting and, conversations. Yeah. I like so this in, stuff. In in my mind, I I see it as: do I send somebody to a dispensary knowing that it's wrong, but it's still beneficial, or do I make them go to a licensed producer? And so I really want to send somebody to a dispensary because I don't see a problem with it as long as there's proper regulation. Yeah. But I'm stuck in a current situation where I can't, and if I do, I'm, it, it could be considered willful blindness because I'm sending them to somebody that's illegal even though they're getting something they need. So I'm stuck in a similar position where I say then I'm just not going to partake in that situation until it's rectified because I, I believe in a moral yep. st- You still have to have a stance. Yep. Now, if you're going to have a fighter that's going to do it anyways, now we're talking harm reduction. If, if I have a fighter, if I had a fighter that I knew was juicing, uh, and I talk to them about it and they refuse to stop. They are not welcome on my team. Right. I do not, I will not have cheaters on my team. It's not what I'm about. It's not what the team's about. But uh, if it's all legal, then it's, it's not, not cheating. cheating. That's it. That's so it. I'm in the same position. What I, like, I hear you. I hear you. I don't, I don't know what, I don't, I don't know. There's, there's, there's it's no not good easy. answer. Listen, it's like I said, I, I legitimately lost sleep over it. And yeah. I still, well, that's good. At least as a coach, you thought about and it. I, but I still don't sit here saying, well, I know I did the right thing. You, you, I, I, I do the best I can right. with the information that You're I human. have and with the, the moral compass that I try to follow. Right. And sometimes I'm wrong and sometimes Kick I fail. Kick them to the goddamn head. <laughs> as hard as you can. As hard as you can. But just do it once. That's right. Just one time. Just, just so one, he knows. Just, just one time. Or you just like tap them. Tap, tap his head. No, we, we're going to put the right. shin through that, that yeah, temple. Put the sh- yeah, of course you are. Yeah. That's, but that's the goal. That's the goal of, that's the sport, right? I want but the is, frontal lobe is, stick right sure. here. Sure. Is it a sport? Well, why not? Why wouldn't you? Is it a sport? Is it a sport? MMA? Or yes. Is it, is it fighting? So, uh, it's, a, it's a sport. That comes down it is, to... It is a you sport. You talked about it before saying it's a fight. You're using the word for it. Is it a sport? So, yeah, this is, this is a very interesting. And, and maybe it's because I'm so deep in the sport, but there's these little gray areas of nuances between the two. So, grappling is not a fight. Right. Okay, it is a sport. MMA, boxing, kickboxing, you're getting punched, you're getting kicked. And the, for me, the distinction is your ability to choose the level of consequences. In grappling, like we talked about, I get you in a knee bar, say, ooh, I don't like the way that feels, I tap out before my hamstring rips. In a kickboxing fight, I throw a head kick and your hand drops, you have a broken jaw whether you want to or not, whether I want to or not. Right. There is a, an element of chaos, there's a lack of control in a, in a fight that you don't see uh, in, in grappling. You just, you just don't see the same thing. And the difference between MMA as a sport and a street fight. I've got a business partner, Lucas, who is, uh, he is one of the very few people on the face of the earth that I would not fight, that I would not fight. He is, he's a sweetheart. Is that but he's the bigger dude? Bigger dude. He's a big dude. He is, and it's not even that. His comfort level with violence is way beyond mine. I, I have fought, I have fought on the street. Uh, is he Russian? No, <laughs> no, he's. Uh, reminds me of my Sistema guys. He is, <laughs> but the, he's okay. You've level, seen, you ever watched on online level. where you see like Russian yeah, fights? They just, yeah. It's unbelievable, it's unbelievable. how yeah. prepared everybody is to be violent. Yeah. Everybody, <laughs> no, everybody around, even the people watching, yeah, people yeah. watching, yeah, yeah. and they're so Every, casual about yeah. it until it's time to knock somebody out, and then right. they'll go do that. Yeah. But it's just part of their day to day life. That's right. And there's no compunction about no. it. That's where Lucas falls. It's a little. Falls it's into. almost like psychotic. It's, it's psychotic, a little psychotic break. Yeah, it's, it is. Yeah, he's yeah, a yeah. wonderful. He's one of my it's best like friends. Like a smile will kill you with a smile. He'll knock you out grinning. And sm- yeah, and be 100%. should be Russian. sincere about it. <laughs> so that that fight, that willingness to do harm, uh, takes it beyond just a sport. In a sport, uh, Hickson. We talked about Hickson Gracie. Hickson said, "If we're fighting for money, I'll stop hitting you when you ask me to. If we're fighting for honor, I'll stop hitting you when I feel like it." That's the difference between the sport and the right. fight. Uh, I am moving as aggressively away from fighting as I can. I've been in lots of street fights. That's not what I want to be about. That's not who I want to be. But fighting as a sport, I love. And I'll do that with people that I trust in an environment that is safe where I know that I'm not going to hurt anybody seriously and I'm not going to get hurt seriously right. and I'm not going to end up in jail uh, afterwards because I like to fight. 
So, I mean, what I love about listening to this is that cannabis just brings it all together. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because, I mean, on one hand, you love to fight and you love the sport. You're moving away from the fight and you're moving yep. to the sport. But then, you you know, you vape a little bit, you eat a little <laughs> cannabis, and all you want to do is hug it out. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it, it makes you cerebral. So you think about the game more. It takes the edge off, too. Yeah, for off. sure. And uh, so... I think at the end of the day, um, I'm not opposed to, I think, CBD, and I, I'm glad that they've allowed CBD into, uh, into in, in, in amateur and pro fighting. They've taken it off. WADA's taken it off, yep. off the banned substance list. I appreciate the fact that you want your, your athletes to fight the same way that they're going to fight game day. Yep. And I actually, that I mean, that's science. That's pure science. It's, it's that's muscle memory. It's you coaching remember. 101. Yeah. It's the way that you're, the way that you're going to test is the way that you got to train. Yep. At least at a certain point, you know, and you go through those three levels of the learning and then, I don't know. Anyway. Oh, I've got actually, I've got a question for you. This is just, yeah. just something I thought of. So my, my, my sister um, had a congenital heart defect and she had to have a, uh, pacemaker put in, and she was on beta blockers. Uh, and one of the things that came up when when she was on beta blockers is is one of the doctors told her that that he would take beta blockers before a test yeah. because it it gets rid of the fight or flight response. Yeah. You can just ban substance. Mellow. By the way. Is it so? Yeah. Would that be? Is that like would ban substance? You're, so you're cheating if you do that? Yes. Really? If for the same reason, because you have to have access to that information under pressure. Well, because what it does it, it by decreasing it, it decreases the the. The tension around your arteries decreases your heart rate, and yeah. blood pressure, which is why she she was on it, right? So, uh, yeah, so it causes that uh, calming effect, and that effect is a. Uh, but would it would it be banned? Answer. I mean, I know so I understand why it's banned. If you look at those tightrope walkers and yeah. stuff like they all take beta blockers. Anytime that there's a concentration for like a shooters, it, yeah, it's a it hence beta blocker. It decreases uh, tension on your on your vessels, yeah, which decreases your blood pressure. And causes you to calm, causes a calming effect. That calming effect is a performance enhancer. So, would you have a problem ethically with a doctor taking beta blockers before a test? No, I no. Maybe. Yes. So, I don't know. I, but I mean, God damn it! But if we're thinking about that, like, because <laughs> if you're, I mean, you you work you work in the ER, yeah, right? Sorry. So, so you've got you've got high pressure situations. I yes. know I've uh, I've spoken to you a little bit about some of the things that you've seen yes. in a Hamilton ER. Yeah. It gets dicey. Yeah, sure. Uh, does. Yeah. So if you if you've been tested with beta blockers, where you have easy access to this information, you're nice and calm. You know exactly what to do, and then you're put in that same situation with all these other stressors. Somebody's got a knife. Somebody just got stabbed. They're screaming, and you have to make that same decision. Isn't that more damaging uh, to the society as a whole than a fighter who's taking some kind of performance enhancing drug? Right. So uh, for me, at the end of the day, is I'm trained to act under pressure. I don't need a beta blocker. It won't change my activity level. It won't change. For me, I feel fine. That's why, we, like the military and in medicine and mm -hmm. in fighting, that's why you train for game day. Yep. So for me, I take a beta. I don't want to know what the beta, I don't want to know what it feels like. I know how to act in that situation. Yeah. So I don't want that beta blocker. Maybe it'll help me, maybe it won't, but I'm prepared. So if I come in prepared to expect X, I know how to deal with X because I've dealt with it a thousand times already, so I don't need a beta blocker. Mm -hmm. Now, can it be considered a performance enhancer? Sure. Are people in, who go into surgery, uh, is, is it, could it potentially steady their hand more? Well, it can calm, them, calm the surgeon down, but hopefully that surgeon is trained long and hard enough they don't need a beta blocker. To, to do their job, to do yeah, their hopefully. Job. That's, that's, that's my answer. I'd rather have a surgeon that doesn't need a beta right. blocker You're uh, right. performing I don't, surgery on me. The same reason you said that the... If you believe you need a steroid to beat me, there's a there's a fracture there's point. There's a there. fracture point. Yep. And and so for me in medicine, I don't need that. And hopefully your athletes, they don't need that. And because that creates a fracture point, says you can't do it on your own. Yep. So that's where I stand on the situation. You actually get you you said it. It's exactly what it is. It's that fracture point. If you think you need that to beat me, then I beat you already. You, then your your game's done. You're gonna break. You're gonna yep. break. Right, because what happens the moment you don't get it? What happens the moment that that beta blocker wears off? Or you feel or weak. You feel, yeah, or you, or you, or you feel, feel like maybe, oh man, maybe he is stronger than me, that's even right. though I'm on something. That's right. That's, you're going you're gonna to crumble. That's and that's right. exactly, Dan Gable won that Olympics without giving up a single point. You're right. Won a gold medal uh, without giving up a single point in the, in the 60s. Impressive wow. guy. 
Well, I mean, I appreciate you coming on here today. We had, oh, I this had a This is awesome. This is a great, great was, conversation. Yeah, <laughs> great conversation. Uh, cannabis in sport. We spoke about, we spoke about uh, doping in sport. We spoke about uh, opioids in sport. We spoke about sport in general. Uh, overall, cannabinoids have a Our body produces the same stuff that's in the plant. Uh, nothing more, nothing less. Uh, we don't produce terpenes, but we, uh, we definitely produce the same endocannabinoids, the same stuff like THC and CBD. Uh, we produce that ourselves, and sometimes our body needs help regulating that. CBD, for example, is a muscle relaxer. It helps, uh, um, it helps muscle recovery, uh, and it also helps collagen formation post-exercise. So after you've broken down that muscle and you need to regenerate the muscle, it can help with that as well. It helps bone formation. Um, it helps bone growth, and that's all CBD-related. And THC on the flip side of that does things as well. I mean, it's super important for, uh, um, for pain modulation. And actually, I, I actually meant to mention this earlier. When we were talking about, um, about attention and uh, on the last note, attention and, um, and what was the other one? No, attention, and there's one other one. I have it in here. So, oh, focus. That's the word. See, clearly. See, attention and focus. There's actually a study. The results aren't published yet, but you can uh, – I was just online at, on Health Canada's um, uh, uh, website, a clinical trials website. They just finished a study on using Sativex, which is a CBD-THC combination in patients with attention deficit and mm. attention difficulties. I don't know the results of it, but it's going to come out. Uh, so yeah, so can cannabis be used uh, in sport? It should be. Opioids is a huge issue right now. Uh, I think maybe one of the things that we need to do is, br is talk about it and not be afraid to talk to our athletes about addiction in general because they probably have addiction to more than just opioids. And cannabinoids is a safe alternative. I'm glad uh, WADA has taken it off and I'm glad you're a proponent of it. And it was awesome having you here and I hope you can come on again. Thank you so much. That was and, a great time. And uh, I'm, I'll bring a mat next time. Okay. That you can roll with this guy. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. We're done.